Welcome to Chat Club. I'm your host, Alan Hilchey. There's only one rule in Chat Club. You know it. Everybody talks about Chat Club. Today's episode is going to be episode number 11. I'm going to be talking to Natalie Way about her daughter for the last two years and mental health. The ups and downs in the last two years with mental health. Going to talk about mental health and the struggles that you've dealt with as a parent. And basically what is you know i've had a lot of questions natalie mm-hmm. um i want to thank you for coming and, and uh, being one of the parents that are taking like a pioneer step in doing this sort of stuff for their kids because not a lot of parents uh know where to go and how to get there and how to be and so yeah um i want to thank you for taking time to, out of your day today um to you know talk about mental health and the connection with your with your child and the struggles and yeah. and you know the struggles through school the struggles everything so i mean just kind of take me through the whole story when it started uh, with with your daughter and just kind of go through the experiences yeah so our history uh, lola's now 16 but when she was younger and i'm talking even before school we can look back now and we see all kinds of little whispers um that would lead us to where we are now So by those whispers, I mean she's very empathic, which typically research has shown that you're more predisposed to mental health issues or illness um, when you're taking on everyone else's stuff, when you're that caring and concerned. Um, So we saw all kinds of little things that had happened um, in elementary school. Just thought it was part of her personality and who she is, which it is, Um, but then as she got older, we discovered that she was she was feeling some pretty deep and dark thoughts and she came to us um, one night and said she was having unexplained uh, really dark thoughts and deep feelings of sadness that she just couldn't um, understand and wasn't comfortable with Um, so from there we reached out to a counselor that she had had previously um, when she was in elementary school hooked her up They had a good um, relationship, good experience together, so that was our first go-to. We were fortunate enough that she was still practicing, Um, so Lola had saw her for a little while. And uh, I received a call um, at work about two years ago when Lola was in grade nine um, from that counselor. Um, She had a pretty deep conversation with me about her concerns of Lola's well-being and um, kind of coached me in that if Lola came to me um, needing to go to the hospital or with any um, serious um, concerns to take them very seriously um, and to act on them because um, she was seeing what Lola was going through and was very concerned for her. So from there, we um, a month later, we had experienced our first hospital stay at the hospital. Um, since then, we've had nine hospital stays totaling over 120 days. Um, three of those have been at least five-week stays. One of those was a five-week stay at a um, local city uh, child and pediatric um, psychiatric unit. Um, from there, we had a seven-day stay in the ICU on life support after a very serious attempt. Um, and then we're here now, which is the most important thing. Um, it's been a long journey. It's been a tough journey. It's had highs. It's had lows. Um, but we're we're working hard. 
Yeah, um, so when you come into, when did you notice your first dramatic changes in your daughter's behavior? Like It would have been um, that, that two-year mark, like yeah. two years ago, um, our counselor was bang on. We were seeing some things that we were concerned about. Um, we chalked it up to being, I think, like most parents and even most people that I've talked to, you hear so much about, oh, it's just hormones. They're just teenagers. It's cell phones. It's social media. They, um, you know, this is all typical things that they go through. So um, some of it is, I think, but as a parent, you don't know. And, and especially in our experience, and everyone's experience is their own, but with Lola, she's not, um, she's not violent. She doesn't scream. She doesn't um, get into fights. She's not, um, you know, out partying all the time. Um, that wasn't our child. Um, so it was kind of the opposite of that quiet child who shuts down, which um, is hard. It's really hard. It's scary because you, you you don't know how they're feeling or how they're thinking. We're not mind readers. Yeah, and, and the places that you go within your head as adults, we know how heavy some of those thoughts can be or those feelings. Um, or to see others, we have the capacity as adults to see when other people are really struggling. Um, but to see your child, and our, our child was always quiet. She was always um, kind of withdrawn. So was she just being her? Or should we be concerned yeah so yeah so when you when you really come down to it like uh, you got the services um, and how was the school for like um, school has been high school amazing um, yeah. our, our support at high school has been amazing her experience at high school has not been amazing yeah. um, if that makes any sense because we um, had very good teachers who understood and had first like mental health first aid training um they they saw lola and they knew she was trying and working really hard they saw her when she was struggling they made modifications for her her guidance counselor fabulous um one of our huge like biggest supporters um but for lola school was not an easy place to be and we've seen that now through counseling um, with a psychologist, that school has never been easy for Lola socially. So to put her in that situation and expect her to thrive and to be okay is not a place that she can be. And we now finally see that. So in seeing that, we know we know how to support her better. You were mentioned she's doing a lot of online courses. Yeah. So um, recently, at the beginning of the school year, we had, uh, that was our stay in the ICU. So we knew um, that, we, we didn't know, we quickly realized how, um, how harmful being in the school environment was for her. Um, so we wanted to make changes. Uh, she still wanted to be at school. She still wants to get her education. She still wants to go to university someday. She has goals and dreams, um, and we need to foster those. So when we met with the school, um, they were very willing to do um, online classes, which are available to her, tons of different courses to select from, um, where she can still graduate with a diploma that she's still able to go to university. How are you so focused on trying to get answers and results for your daughter? Where most people, they just give up or they're just, oh yeah, that's the only, the only answer I'm going to get. I, I, from my 
talking to you I know that you're a big advocate mm -hmm. so how do you stay so focused and how do you stay like determined to get the answer for your child well because I have to um, it's it's my child and I have to um, support her and I have to um, get the answers and the support that we need um, it's never been an option not to um, when we don't know what to do, we have to educate ourselves and we need to keep reaching out until we get the answers or the support that we need. And I think that in more ways than one gives us all hope um, to, keep, to keep going, that, that we're not going to stop, we're not going to settle. Um, and, and what people need, for me, may be different than what you need, and that's okay. It's just like when you look for a counselor, you have to find a good fit. You need to find what works for you. Um, a counselor who works for me might not work for you. So that's okay. We try another one. It's hard, but you have to keep going knowing that you're going to find what you need. So you need to find a counselor that connects with your child. Absolutely. And, you yes. know, that's the most important Huge. thing. Huge. Yeah. Because there's also trust factors and, yeah. you know, validation and know that the counselor's on their side. Mm -hmm. It's huge, right? Huge. Yeah. And the other part of that um, makes me think of um, early on... I think the thing that defeated myself and Lola the most was talking to people and having to retell our story mm -hmm. over and over and over again just to get them to understand where we were and to make that connection. So I'm talking like when we would go to the hospital emergency room, we would meet with, um, if there was a psych nurse on, we would tell the psych, what triage we would tell our story. Mm -hmm. Then the psych nurse would come into the room, we would mm -hmm. tell our story. When the emergency room doctor would come in, we would tell our story. Then when they called the psychiatrist who was on call in, usually about 14 hours later, we would tell him our story. So you do that, we've had nine hospital stays in two years. That's amazing. That's tough, right? Yeah. So every time you have to retell your story, it's, it's like we had to get them to buy in to how bad our situation was. That was the hardest part, I think, for Lola, and for me to be able to go and explain to them what was going on made it so much easier. So, going in the hospitals, is the stigma still there? Is the stigma with the, is, is the child really telling the truth? Is it just an episode? Yeah. Do you feel the stigma still, like, with, with all our education and all this, um, you know, Bell, Let's Talk, and all these corporations making a big thing in social media, when you go to the place that you need it the most, the hospital, yeah. it, from what I'm understanding, it, 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 it's like they don't believe you. It's tough. It's really tough. We have figured out, again, through perseverance, through making the right connections, which don't come to you. You have to look for them. Um, there are ways to make that easier. We didn't know this at the beginning. We do know now. So... When we first would go, yeah, absolutely, you would go in there and it was like you either had to have like open cuts from trying to harm yourself or you had to have ingested pills. Um, if you went there knowing that you weren't safe but hadn't attempted, basically you would wait and wait and wait and you would have to tell your story many, many times. The ER doctors, I personally have not met an ER doctor in our nine visits who are properly trained in how to deal with people who are mentally ill. Um, they are very trauma-based, as in when we've gone in in an overdose situation, they were on it. They knew what to do. But when we would go in 
in a situation that she hadn't harmed herself but had a plan to and we needed to keep her safe, the ER doctors would probably, I would say, did more harm than good. When the psychiatrist comes in, that's a little better, but typically in the emergency room, it's, a, it's an adult psychiatrist to begin with um, who doesn't know this patient. The only way, they have, they have certain boxes to check. So I remember our first hospital stay, the doctor said, do you play sports? Lola played sports. Do you go to school? Lola played, went to school. Do you have a supportive family? Lola had a supportive family. So if you check all those boxes, then she, in their mind, wouldn't have a serious attempt in plan. Yeah. The worst thing about mental illness, I think, is there's no visible scars because it's all in your head and your body. It's almost like uh, I went to, I was fortunate with wrestling. I went into schools and we had one of the wrestlers that did a fantastic presentation and he took, got a kid to ball up a piece of paper and just, and he, the kid stomped on it, crushed it. And then the wrestler, Cody Blay, young, young man, fantastic bullying. I put it on YouTube got the kid to smooth the paper out mm. and when you looked at the paper there were still all these creases and crinkles and and to me that's mental illness yeah. you don't see the scars yeah. if you don't like you talked about like in many conversations about a kid breaking their leg you see the visible thing yeah. you treat the wound mental illness you don't. you don't no there's no scan there's no blood test there's yeah. no temperature there's no and that was the other part of the hospital when you do get admitted then they come in and they want to do your vitals, which I know is mandatory, but at the same time, when Lola would be in there for, say, like five weeks at a time, she doesn't need her temperature taken three times a day. Yeah. She doesn't need um, her, her oxygen level checked three times a day. You know what I mean? Like all these things. But I wanted to go back, um, if I can, Absolutely. to um, the way around that we've learned to get around those hospital visits that are awful, where you go in and you have to basically wait for wait hours. and wait and try to convince people how sick you are right um so through um through mental health here in Fredericton, new brunswick we have um a mobile crisis unit okay the number can be found online okay um it's an after hours service i can't remember the hours i'm thinking like four to twelve and it's two social workers who will come to your house Okay. We've had that, we've used that many times. Wow. Now, it didn't help our situation from not getting worse. Yeah. Um, they were able to make the connection to the hospital, triage for us. They okay. knew our story, knew we were coming, they expected us. It didn't hurry the wait time, but it saved us from having to explain what the was story happening. Nine right. times. Because most times, one, Lola had to tell her story so many times, it was just awful for her to have to do it again. Two, most times I am emotionally exhausted. Absolutely. I've usually been up for two days yeah. trying to convince this child of all the reasons she should live yeah. um, to try to keep her safe. So it saved us a lot on that end. The other part is if you're in with the ISD team through mm -hmm. mental health and education, the integrated service delivery team. That's right in the school. That's right within the school system. Your mm -hmm. guidance counselor can connect you to that. Um, typically, there's a wait list. You need to fight. You need to not take 
no for an answer. You need to demand, you know, to see somebody to get the ball rolling. Um, once you get in with that service, you have a whole opportunity of way more um, things that you can use that are free of charge. Yeah. They will go into the school to support your child. Um, if your child's not in school, then you go visit them. Um, but they can contact the hospital, do a triage for you as well. Yeah. Um, if you have a psychiatrist, there's been a couple times um, where Lola, we would touch base with her psychiatrist. He would know she was struggling. Yeah. He would be at the hospital on call. He would know we were coming in, and he would admit her right away. Right. Uh, mobile. Mobile unit, is it? It's a mobile crisis unit. Okay. Um, they work right out of mental health. Okay. Um, they can come to your house. They come to you. They try to do some counseling, support. They mm -hmm. make the assessment. Yeah. Um, they can contact psychiatrists, other resources, and put things in place. So it may not fix the situation. But at least it speeds the process it up does, to get the help It does. Quicker. And the other part is, is it's supportive, especially yeah. if not for the youth. It's so supportive for the parents. Sometimes that's what I've needed. Somebody else to come in and handle things for a little while so I could kind of step back and be like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. And I have people who know what they're doing. They're here. They're listening to me. Mm -hmm. They they get it. Yeah. So what's our next step? Yeah. And and that's really hard. So this is in Fredericton, New Brunswick. This mobile mental health, and that's right on the website. It should be on the website. Um, I can send the link to you. Yeah. Um, I know there's a. I have a screenshot of a bunch of resources, and the mobile crisis unit on is on there. Yeah. Um, with other numbers that are available, and again, that's after hours. So, how did you come across this? Just researching it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and our our uh, pharmacist, who is amazing, he um, has had a whole list of resources available for us. Unreal. So that's your pharmacist. Those yeah. those are the ones that yeah. Yeah. So that's wicked. Like I never even knew that. Yeah. So. And a lot of people don't. And uh, going through this whole process, you've educated yourself. Yes. You know, when we discuss. We have our conversations. You've talked about you going and taking courses. Yeah. Um, can you briefly give me an oversight of what you've done and yeah. where the resources are? Uh, yeah, well, you got to look for them. <laughs> but uh, one of the first things I did, um, I'm a big nerd, so the first thing I wanted to do was um, prepare myself, and that's by educating myself. Um, so I did, uh, through our local university, I did uh, mental health first aid training. I did assist training. Um, then I looked more into online research. So like on Facebook, I started looking at different groups that were available, but I okay. really wanted groups that were um, Canadian based yes. and geared towards teens because that's, that's what I live. Yeah. Um, so I did find online a really good website. It's a, offers a course. It's free. It's uh, teenmentalhealth.org. It's okay. based out of um, Canada out of the University of British Columbia, University of Dalhousie, and I believe Memorial in Newfoundland. So it's a okay. very local, mm. Canadian, current, best practices. Okay. Um, you do it online, you'll learn all about mental health, mental illness, best practices, um, resources that are there and available. Mm -hmm. I also did a um, Institute of Child Psychology um, course, uh, which was really good, and that had a small fee to it. Um, but it was well worth it. Just giving more education, yeah, coping mechanism tools, yes, and yeah, and lots of books. You can get so many books um, about um, how to best support um, different things you can use. 
Um, sometimes you can get, I've re recently read a really pretty, really good book on, um, it's called The Buddha and the Borderline. And a uh, really good book, it's like a memoir of okay. an adult who was diagnosed with borderline personality and okay. how it affected their life. So okay. um, it was a really good book. Super. Yeah. So some of the training, I know that we take the assist training. You, know, you were talking about Lola going in the hospital and, mm -hmm. and having suicide attempts. And this is stressful on you mm -hmm. because you think you bear a lot of the burden because right. you you think it's your fault. and. Uh, I mean, you, you've moved way past that now into more of a proactive approach, yeah. but that assist program is unreal. I yeah. know I've done it at my work and put you into real life scenarios. Like, um, I know in one of mine, it was, uh, one of the people, one of the, I guess the instructors went on a table and they said that they were jumping off a bridge and they're, you know, folding their hands and they're looking all around and you have to attempt to get that person down. Yeah. And really becomes, I had some anxiety and like, it was almost like a real life scenario. Yeah. So the training is absolutely awesome. Yeah. It's assist. Yeah. So where did you get the training? In? Um, here at the University of New Brunswick, it was offered on campus. I believe it was from an outside source. Yeah. But they, the university was able to put me in direction of a lot of really good supports. So I would totally recommend reaching out. They're in the business of educating. Yeah. Um, Universities are huge right now into supporting their students um, through mental health, through mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, so if they don't have the answers, they probably have someone they can channel you through to get the answers that you need. Um, at our local university, I also found a um, support group for parents dealing with teens who have anxiety and depression. It was a free 10-week program wow. that we were able mm -hmm. to go to. It offered amazing support where we brought Lola with us too and the kids were put into a separate room with doctorate students um, okay. who were able to um, you know, work through some stuff and they were able to network and share yeah. um, with supervision. Um, as well, the parents were in a room with doctorate students um, given information and educated and best practices and we were able to network together to share our experiences, our resources. So this is pretty wicked. Now, we get into, uh, you're in a group. Did you ever connect with other parents? Do yeah. You, do you have, an, like, a... Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, I guess there's comfort in knowing that other people kind yeah. of share the same journey. Yeah. Um, the same but different. Um, and it really, I, I guess, I'm kind of, I, I guess I'm labeled as mama bear because I would never take no for an answer or seeing my child suffer. Um, it wasn't an option. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep moving forward. We have to do better. Uh, we need to help her at whatever expense. I may not know the answers, but I know we're not just going to settle and stay where we are knowing she's not well. Um, but to see other parents who had no idea, for example, of the ISD team through the school system, the integrated service delivery, um, that could open the door to so many resources and supports for their children. Um, Last year, we had a situation where Lola couldn't be left home alone, so we had to get a mentor to come in. Well, we were able to get some support for that, um, so other parents had no idea how to go about that. Um, but again, just to share different journeys that people were yeah. on was, yeah. it doesn't fix things, but it, it makes you feel a little more validated and supported. Yeah, because yeah. you can share your experiences and sometimes vent with them, right. the frustrations, because yeah. we're in a real crisis with mental health, and I don't think 
the people take it serious enough and I don't think that they think it's only you know a few people but when I've done this podcast I've done a lot of research and there's 350 million worldwide Mm -hmm. that have stepped forward and said I have a mental illness that's the people that have stepped forward Mm -hmm. how many people have it so I mean there's billionaires there's celebrities I know there's Robert Lennon who played for the New York Islanders last year plays for Chicago he had a mental illness and and he was not doing very good and became an alcoholic and then he turned his life around won an award went to the podium and he said I had mental illness and I had to I had to take steps to get myself healthy and he was proud and he was brave Mm -hmm. and and that's a sort of stepping stone to mental illness because professional athletes deal with a intense pressure billionaires like there's so many people but people don't want to step out because then they well I can't get that job because they're gonna look at me as a mental illness or you know I won't get it and that's why people become sad yeah. it's not accepted no. like we're all different we're all unique and mental illness, mental illness is is a huge part of our society and more than people even know exactly. so so we go into the parents so most parents feel helpless and they struggle with children with mental illness what would you say to them and what advice would you give them i would tell them the most important thing they need to do is to validate their child um that you can't you have no control you cannot fix what's going on with them but what you can do is validate and support them and be a solid um, in their life um, to fight for them. Um, don't ever take no for an answer. Do not take it's going to be six months for an answer. Um, I have gone and sat in offices as soon as they've opened and refused to leave until they gave me an appointment time and date at a reasonable time. Um, in the hospital, I have refused to take my child home when they were going to send her home, knowing she wasn't safe, knowing I could not keep her safe. Um, you just, you, you have to keep going and you have to trust yourself. Um, it's okay to stop and take a little break. You're going to have to. Um, but, but don't give up. You so, can't give up. Okay, so we get into that aspect. Now, being a parent and, and watching your, tr- your child struggle and be through the traumatic, and how do you keep yourself sane and, and, and focused on the task? Because you need to have self-care at yeah, times. Yeah, self-care is huge. So... What, what do you do and what advice can you give on that aspect? Yeah, well, I, I, I honestly will share with you that that is a question that drives me crazy because I've had so many professional people, um, when I'm in the middle of chaos and crisis, look at me and say, what are you doing for self-care? And I look at them and go, honest to God, my kid is falling apart right now. I, I am not important. I, this isn't even, I don't even want to talk about this right now because you need to help my child then I'll be okay. Um, So in those moments, it's okay for you to not be okay. Um, But when things are going well and you're on a good roll and you've got the support, you need to do what feeds your soul. Um, For me, that is going to the gym. Um, That is eating properly. That is spending time with my husband. We barely have any time together. Um, so sometimes it's a 10 minute coffee, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's talking, it's reading a book. It might be taking my dogs for a walk. 
Sometimes it might be just sitting with the door closed, you know. Um, I practice mindfulness a lot. I do a lot of yoga. Um, but I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's doing what brings you happiness, that brings you calm. Um, and for everyone, that's different, for sure. Yeah, because when I go through my different podcasts, and I've talked about anxiety, depression, I went through different aspects of my podcast. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm reading information, the number one thing was to sleep, yeah. eat, yeah. and exercise. And there were so many different things. There's like aromatherapy. Yeah. Like yeah. just different scents that change the brain chemistry. Like right. when you're feeling anxiety, I mean, going to sleep, like lavender, and there's mm-hmm. so many senses. There's so much information. It just blew my mind what was out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff like help.org where I get a lot of my stuff mm-hmm. and expand on my experiences and it, there's so much information so that's what I do yeah. what I try to do right and so it's what works for you what brings yeah. you joy right yeah. and what makes you feel calm and that's what I think it comes down to there's tons of resources out there for things to try um, but really it's whatever some people it might be driving the car with the windows down and the radio blasting you know yeah. um, whatever it is yeah. you got to make time for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm going to come into now, <laughs> the last two years has probably been like a whirlwind for you. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when Lola gets in a crisis, mm-hmm. work becomes an issue. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. how, can you explain how has that worked for you? Yeah. Obviously, not very good. But no. Um, I, I will focus on the positive. Um, okay. My employer is amazingly supportive. Um, they understand our situation. They would go above and beyond to help us. Um, in saying that, I've missed well over 100 days of work in the last two years. Um, I've had to quit my part-time job, um, working evenings and weekends, um, to be able to be home with her. Um, or even just missed work when she was, you know, in, in the hospital or away at institutions. Um, so... That's what it's come down to. Um, definitely not not easy. No, I would imagine not. Yeah. And having family support, I know. Yeah. And I know you have a partner with you. Yeah. Oh, my husband is my rock. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, we are we are a team for sure. Absolutely. Um, we support each other, and we do set a really good example for Lola of how to get through those those times and uh, how to it's okay to not be okay. But at the same time, you know, how to reach out and how to support each other. And even when things aren't okay, we have each other. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Um, I'm very lucky in that aspect. I'm very grateful for that. And yeah. I know um, some people don't have that, and that's hard. Um, but there's always someone, you know, yeah. within your, your network who, mm-hmm. who can be your person. And all you need is one person. Yeah, just to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a big crucial thing I always talk about like with depression I know on my podcast I talked about depression small obtainable goals mm-hmm. is that kind of what you do with Lola like you yeah. do the small does do. she journal does she do any of that stuff um, not really um, she she t- typically does that stuff when she's in crisis okay not ongoing yeah. um, I feel for her she's she's kind of learning how to run her life yes you know, and especially, um, she's not in school now, she's doing online schooling, 
and she's working, which is fabulous. We are yeah. ecstatic. She loves her job. She gets out there. She's, you know, doing her thing. Yeah. Um, she goes to the gym a lot. So for her, she has other means that work for her. And for her, she just wants to live life. She wants to move forward. She, um, she just wants to, to keep going. And I think she falls back on journaling. She falls back on those things um, when she, we call it a reset. Yeah. When she goes into yeah. the hospital, yeah. we call it, she, she hasn't yeah. fallen. She hasn't broken. She hasn't, you know. Just to recharge the battery. Yeah, yeah. We're in here. We're resetting. What yeah. do we need to do? Yeah. So she'll, she'll, she usually reflects on her journaling, okay. which is sometimes, I think, quite helpful for her to see how far she's come. Does she keep this stuff and yeah. look back on it? Yeah. And, right. and then it's very helpful to see yeah. how low she got and where she can be successful. That's right. And that's such an impactful thing for like Absolutely. people with mental illness because yeah. they, they know that they can get there. Right. You need perspective. So, absolutely. You need hope. Those yeah. are we huge. all need that. Exactly. Uh, so I think um, she doesn't she doesn't necessarily journal often, but I think she journals when she needs to. And again, it's to everyone. Yep. Some people may need to journal every day. Mm -hmm. That helps them. For her, it's it's kind of a tool she uses when she needs a reset. I mean, me being a Facebook creeper, as always, you show a lot of photos with her with horses. Yeah. She's a big animal She advocate. loves animals, yeah. yeah. So um, she's a she's a vegan, which um, is her, her big thing right now, oh, okay. which is awesome. She, um, it's not just for the animals, it's for the environment. She's very, mm -hmm. um, yeah. she's very involved. And uh, animals have been a huge part of her life. Again, she's super um, empathic. Mm -hmm. um, so being around people isn't always easy. So animals yeah. have always been much better for her. Um, so we recently found this farm. And uh, it's all rescued um, animals, like okay. farm animals. Yeah. And it has been amazing. And volunteering has proven to be one of the best things to help with mental health or mental illness. There you go. Um, when you volunteer somewhere yep. that you want to be, that you get a lot Feeds of, your soul. Yes. So yes. it feeds, it, there's a sense of purpose. Exactly. So. And you're helping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the thing. one of my solutions in many of the mental illnesses. Yeah. Is, uh, I've talked about paving it forward, like, uh, you're having a bad day and you see someone behind you and you say, I'm getting their coffee. Right. And you pay it, walk away, and then they look at you and they're like, Big right. smile, and you're like, hey, you know, that's great. That's right. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. So she does that. Um, I've, I've joined in with her. It's great. We love it. And, um, yeah, it's animals have been great for her. That's good. That's yeah. good. It seems to, uh, animals seem to know. Yeah. And she, she always goes to the animals that um, aren't the most desirable. Like, there's this one, I'll tell you a story quickly, but there's this goose, and his name's Tofu. Okay. And poor Tofu, he's not very friendly, so a lot of people don't go near him, and, and, and for good reason, he can be pretty violent. Yeah. Well, Lola and him are best buds, okay. to the point that when we're at the farm, if she goes to the outhouse, he walks to the outhouse and waits for her to come out. She can hug him, she can pick him up. Oh, yeah. She, they just love each other. That's wicked. Yeah. That, And that must be, like, you stand back and you see happiness, and it just being through all the struggles that makes yes. it worth it in the end because you see the, yeah. the progress right yeah so the biggest thing about kids is i've done a lot of research on the development mm -hmm. and apparently their brain doesn't get developed like the, the frontal, frontal lobe, lobe yeah and that's a lot to do with it and uh th when they get in their 20s it starts to yeah 
they start to be an adult. Right. So that's a lot of the problems too, is a, a lot of uh, instinct and, and, and they just do things because they just do it. Yeah, very th- we don't, they don't think through things. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing about the whole thing about mental illness is, uh, you know, hit a forefront. Um, and you were talking about, I remember we were talking about uh, earlier, about um, with Lola, how do you, like, sometimes she'll look at you and say, I'm such a burden, Mom, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, how do, you, how do you deal with trying to soothe her or trying to make her understand that you're there? Because once you get in that frame of mind that I'm a burden, like they, yeah. their mood, their attitude, and their self-confidence is the lowest point. So how do you... That's that's hard, and that's that's a pretty good marker that you're in a place that you need to get out of, for sure. Um, for us, from day one, early, early on in this journey, we made it very clear that we were not going to be ashamed, we were going to talk, we weren't going to hide it from anybody, that we um, she did nothing to cause any of this, um, that she was doing everything she is supposed to do, mm-hmm. and that we were going to do everything we could do. So I compared it to a physical illness, like diabetes. So I explained to her, um, if she goes to the gym and she ate well and she got a good night's sleep and she's diabetic and she wakes up the next morning and her blood sugar is through the roof, I was not going to be upset with her. I was not going to look at her and tell her how disappointed I was Mm -hmm. or how much of a burden she was in my life. I was going to support her and love her and get her the help that she needed. So we've never, ever, ever looked at mental illness mm-hmm. any differently than we would any physical illness. Yeah. And when you look at it from that perspective, it really changes the way you think. Yeah. Because a lot of people, I mean, I know back in the day, and it could have been mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, we used to be in high school, all oh, that was just dramatic. Yeah, that could have been mental absolutely. illness. Absolutely. And we were so uneducated mm-hmm. at that time that we didn't know they had a mental breakdown. And they're like, yeah. oh, that was just crazy. Yeah. And you know what, we took it because that was our education. Right. But I'm glad that we're, and you're being one of the pioneers for what you're doing for your child. And, and I mean, it's pretty inspiring. And I hope a lot of parents take this information because um, being at the fir- first of it, it must have been really hard, but yeah. right where you are now, yeah. being so progressive and so instrumental in, in taking no like no for an answer. Yeah. I need results. Absolutely. I want answers. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, uh, no, it's just not an option. So we get into the whole thing and we, and we talk about the government resources and, and they, they're always reducing health care. Mm-hmm. Um, being mental illness, have you seen any improvements? Have you seen anything like, you talk about the horrible experience at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever going to change because a lot of the ER doctors are general practitioners and they just take everything. So they're jack of all trades. Right. And it's more trauma-focused, yep. too, yep. right? So, I mean... Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I have to be hopeful. Yeah. Um, I see and hear lots of good things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our case right now, I can honestly say um, the only supportive government agencies that we have dealt with have been education yeah. and mental health. Yeah. Um, we've had really tough experiences with social development. Yeah. And with... Um, the CRA in trying to get the disability tax credit. Yeah. Um, so that's on a federal spectrum. Right. Provincial and because social development is provincial. Provincial. Yep. 
and the federal is taxes right. and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it, for you to take that much work off and mm-hmm. be in there, because that's what you do as a parent. Right. So you're not, you're using your own resources at some time. The, you pay taxes in this right. in this country. You need to be. Yeah. So I mean, that maybe that's something that we gotta take care of. Yeah, I'm working on it. Are you? <laughs> I am. What are you doing? Um. Well, I have. We recently appealed our um, denial for the disability tax credit. Okay. After our last two hospital stays, because they um, said that our situation was not severe enough. Um, so we've appealed that based on our last two that we consider to be quite severe. Absolutely. Um, and we also, in our appeal letter, um, brought up the stigma between physical and mental health. And um, two people we know who um, their children receive the disability tax credit based on their physical illness, mm-hmm. and they have way less impairment in their lives than what we experience. So we challenged them on that. Mm-hmm. Um, social development, I'm in the process of... Uh, trying to get them to justify how last year when we weren't as um, impaired as we are right now um, they would offer support for a mentor to be within our home for 30 hours a week this year after Lola being in the ICU on life support for seven days um, cannot be left home alone um, they refused and closed our case and would not give us any support they wouldn't even show up at our um, commonplace meeting, which involved um, social development, mental health, and education, to come together to problem solve. Social development did not even attempt. They refused to come. They said they were going to. They did not show up. I got a hold of Child and Youth Advocate, who have been amazing, and that's another resource parents need to use if they're not getting what they need for their children and they're they're fearful. So basically, it's the ombudsman. It's the Child Youth yes. Advocate. You call yeah. there, or you can go online. They will get back to you. I called them the same afternoon that social development closed our case, Mm -hmm. two days before our meeting that we were supposed to have that they were supposed to be at. I called them. By the end of the day, I was speaking with them. They had the director involved and escalated our case, and they said, we're not taking no for an answer. So there's a resource child and youth advocate. They work on behalf of the child. Yes, in the best interest of the child. Absolutely. And if your child has an issue and no one's helping you and no one's helping that child, they are the people to contact. So I know in Canada, I know that there's an ombudsman, child youth advocate in every province, yeah. so Canada-wide, and there has to be something in the States and in all the different countries. Right. There has to be something. How do you feel now with everything? Do you feel that mm. it's still ongoing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm in the mindset that uh, we do everything we can and do every day. We say what we need to say every day and we make peace with that because we don't know what the future holds for one um two there's days that i feel really good and confident and then there's days that i am terrified so in other words it's okay not to be okay absolutely because you know as much information and i'm sure professionals are in this too Mm -hmm. i know that i do it in my workplace sometimes you have your days where you're not good oh no yeah yeah and that's okay that's fair. Yeah. You're going through a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Right? Because you, you, when Lola goes down to her low point, mm-hmm. you're her conscience. Absolutely. So the parent takes over that, that spot. Yeah. And so. she knows that. I've promised her that. Yeah. Right? I, I, that's my job. Yeah. Um, if she had, like I said, any other physical illness, mm-hmm. if she had like a, a heart condition where 
she couldn't breathe some days, what would I do? I would help her. I wouldn't leave her alone. Now, the IWK, does that have anything? They do. They, um, we looked into that, but we actually got into Kapu in Moncton instead. Kapu? Okay. Kapu. It's, um, it only has six beds for the entire province. Uh-huh. Um, it's an assessment center. Okay. So we pushed for that early on because we weren't 100% sure what we were doing. And the other thing there is they have psychiatrists, they have social workers, they have psychologists just for those six children. They have nurses, um, personal support workers. It's a really intense um, breakdown of what's going on. And our biggest thing was to find out how to move forward with meds. Yeah. And the other thing with Kapu was when you come out, everything is in place for you. Your child does not come out of there until therapy is put in place and you have a start date. Yeah. Meds have been put into place so you're not doing a med change and leaving yeah. there and not having any help at all because meds are dicey when it comes to mental illness. Um, some take six weeks before you see the full effect. Yeah. Sometimes the symptoms are the side effects and the side effects are the symptoms. Yeah. It, it's tough and they need to be monitored. So that's why we really pushed for Kapu. And again, for Kapu, we were on a wait list. I called the receptionist at the intake every day for two weeks. So there's not enough beds. Nope. So you got into the meds. Mm-hmm. Now, I've said this on my podcast about the pharmacist being the real deal. Absolutely. And how much information oh yeah. that the pharmacist, because they're the ones that study the medicines, they're the ones that mm-hmm. understand the dosage and stuff doctor prescribes them but he the pharmacist is he our pharmacist is our first go-to mm-hmm. um really truly we can call him and he can give us a breakdown uh for recently lola had um, a bit of a fever flu-like symptoms i checked in with him to see what i should give her to make sure there was no interaction with what she was on yeah for um anxiety and depression um so he is by far our first our first go-to, and even our pharmacist was able to connect us to um, all kinds of resources within. So the pharmacist has like mental health resources? Absolutely, so yeah. So when you go to like Shoppers Drug or yeah. any of the pharmacists, yeah. they have information there. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. And a lot of times I think they have things posted around. Yes, yeah. So it's, it's, it's make sure that if you're in there, to take a look at it and yeah. that sort of stuff. That's so, another resource, right? And yeah. somebody that you can call that will be available that you're not going to have to, you know, wait until Monday yeah. at yeah. 8 o'clock to call. They're they're usually around all weekend. They're there in the evenings. Um, so they may have access to um, different things in your area that you can reach out to to get the support you need. So do you think, and I'm going to throw this out there, mm-hmm. being one, everybody is 8 to 4. Yeah. Do you think mental health offices should be open a little more or yeah. have someone that works 24, like has shifts, like someone that you can have? Absolutely. Do you think? Um, I think in our experience that if we had, in the perfect world, if yes. we had um, a place here, a clinic that was 24-7, okay. that was run with mental health professionals, mm-hmm. whether it be nurses, social workers, whatever that case may be, of a place that if Lola was hitting a low tonight, that I knew I could take her, mm-hmm. there would be someone there who would have her information, yeah. especially if we had been there before. Mm-hmm. They would know her. 
she would be able to go in and either chat with that person. She would be able to even stay there for the night if she needed to. Yeah. You know, I, I, with uh, everything, like everyone building buildings, there's buildings and buildings. I know where I live in Miramichi, they closed all the, they closed all the uh, home care, the uh, senior homes, okay. and they built shanks. Okay. And there's a lot of buildings that have access beds and rooms. In an ideal world, I would love to see, I know somebody talked about it, an autism village. Yeah. Uh, what about a mental health village? Yeah. What about uh, cool. like having small rooms that the families can get in there and kind of build this community? Yeah. I, I know it's money, but we have all these corporations like Bell and all these yeah. other ones uh, that talk, the talk about yeah. mental health. Yeah. Having a non-profit organization, wouldn't that be would inspiring? Be yeah. Even yeah. a place where you could go and there would be all these resources. You don't have to dig to find them. Mm -hmm. You can go and, and someone's there to help you network, to, to have all these courses that you could take, books you can read, um, mm -hmm. free um, support groups that you can go to if yes. that's what you choose to do. Yeah. Um, ISD team, like I really wish they would invest more money into that because they're the ones that are in the high schools. They're the ones that can make the connections. They're the ones that have the free resources for these families. So in, in reality, I mean, hitting it right away, like if you had to hit Lola with all these resources that you obtain now, mm -hmm. your journey probably would have been a little better. I would think so, yeah. yeah. And, and it's yeah. a struggle yeah. to get, and, and there's a lot of people starting at your stage I like know. that are just overwhelmed and, yeah. and they're stressed out themselves to the T. Uh, it, it's amazing and, and I think the government or I think this this you know trying to keep themselves look good and they need to hit the issues and, and I think our politics and, and politicians have to start worrying about the people yeah for the people with the people yeah and people need to step out more in their their struggles with with mental illness because if there's not enough people that are out there you know when the clinic in, in Fredericton, there was a rally. Yeah. We need to have more yeah. of that around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, our taking care of ourselves, that's what we pay taxes. Right. We have services. Yeah. And that's to help people. And there's going to be people that need more help than others. And I mean, I pay enough taxes. You've paid enough yeah, taxes. Yeah. My, you know, my parents pay taxes for years. Yeah. It needs to be a priority for sure. Absolutely. Mental um, health. Yeah. It's. And it happens with seniors, yeah. and, and and more likely women more step forward with mental illness than men. Absolutely. And men got to stop that. That's why I'm doing this to yeah. break the whole silence. Yeah. And like, to make sure that everybody knows yeah. what's going on. And For sure. I think it's it's important. So, anyway, I, I do you have anything else you want to ah. say? I know we've <laughs> I talked for, forever. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like. Um. No, I think. I think my biggest advice would be um, to not take no for an answer. That you've gotta, you gotta keep pushing, and you gotta keep asking, and you gotta keep researching. And uh, there is support out there, but you have to fight really hard to get it. And I know that's not what people want to hear, yeah. but that's the reality right yeah. now. Yeah. Hopefully, that will change. Yeah. Um, but just keep reaching out. That is the biggest thing, and be that person for your kid. Like you have to. They are fighting demons in their head. Yeah. And um, if they're coming to you, you you've gotta you have to act on it. You have to listen. You do. You, you have really to validate, do. listen, and non-judgmental. Exactly. 
because it's the biggest thing. If your child's coming to you, the trust factor's there. Huge. If you ignore it, the trust factor's gone. Yeah. And things can happen real quick yeah. in a bad way. Yeah. And people aren't talking about suicide or harming themselves or doing a lot of different stuff. And, and, and that's just the reality. I'm not trying to make it sound worse than what it is, but that's the reality. Yes. And I know you've been in the hospital and Lola's been in some pretty bad shape and yeah. you've struggled with it and yeah. um, you don't want to be in that place. No, no. And sometimes um, like our, our, our worst um, situation, um, we, we didn't even see it coming and Lola yeah. and I have a, have a really close relationship. Um, she had just gotten out of the hospital for five days. We thought we thought we were okay. We thought yeah. we weren't, you know, perfect. We were amazing, but we were working through it. Yeah. Um, she wasn't okay, but she wasn't able to reach out. That's the thing with mental illness. Yeah. Is it's on her to reach out, yeah. but her mind is not working with her. Yeah. Um, even with her and I having such a good open relationship, even with her knowing how much I advocate for her, yeah. even with her knowing how much we love her and care about her. Mental illness comes in so many different faces, mm -hmm. and sometimes it hits, and you don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, because we're not mind readers. We're not. Yeah. And the person who needs to reach out can't because yeah. they're ill. Yeah. So that's what it comes down to. So I would say trust your gut instinct. Um, do not take no for an answer from yeah. anybody. You know your child better than anybody else, yeah. regardless. Yeah, and I find professionals try to uh, try to tell you that you're you're just you're overreacting. Yeah, and you're not to blame either. No. Because no parent is perfect. No. Everyone's made mistakes or would have wanted to do things differently or had things happen in their life mm -hmm. that they wish didn't happen. But this is not your fault. No. What what you need to focus on and quite often we focus on as a family is moving forward. What's yeah. happened in the past yeah. is in the past. But we need to learn from it. We need to know better and we'll do better. And we have to move forward. And the triggers are important. Huge. Triggers. Yeah. I, I, I've done an episode on triggers. Yeah. And when you have to find the triggers. Yeah. And, and triggers are the ones that release the, mo the emotional or physical responses that right. you're not doing okay. Right. Have you figured those out yet? We're, we are. We're starting. Yeah. Um, we know school would be her number one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it took us uh, 11 years. <laughs> To figure yeah. that well, out that's, yeah. um, with a lot of help from other people and a lot mm. of um, different experiences but I think we're finally realizing yeah. um, that school is not is not ideal for her and that's no. okay yeah it's okay there's there's options and that's the other thing we preach there's always options yeah there there's always, always alternatives absolutely yeah. not everything is a straight line no very few people make connections or get to where they're gonna go in a straight line yeah Everyone's journey is their own, and that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So taking her out of school, we're, we're hoping that this is a huge part of her getting well yeah. and maintaining that. Um, we don't know. Yeah. You know, we got to get some days behind us. As of right now, yeah, it's working. Yeah. So it's okay to be scared as a parent. Absolutely. It's okay oh, not it's to not be okay. Scared, it's terrified. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that that's those are yeah. valid feelings. This yeah. is you know this is a battle. Yeah. And it's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah. 
But anyway, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I think so. And uh, uh, it's always delightful to talk to you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. I know there's a lot of stuff that you threw out there, and yeah. I know that you're the mama bear. I am. You want to help people. Yeah. And, sure. and I think that reaching out to people in, in this podcast goes, yeah. I've, I've reached a lot of people. Good. And I really, we're going to, we're gonna do viral stuff. Awesome. This. We're gonna viral this. I love it. We're gonna get. Uh, I might even send it to a few politicians. There you go. Yeah. So we <laughs> that can get would be some, good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. But I mean, Natalie, I I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, and I know it's a. You're very. You're a pioneer for your mm-hmm. child. You're a pioneer for a lot of parents. Yeah. So, I hope that everyone takes what you say today with, every, fiber to yeah. understand that, parents so. are vital in their. This battle. It's tough. So. It's tough and we need to, to pull together and, and dig deep, but absolutely doable. So I thank you very much for your time. No and problem. Thank you. I'm sure we'll talk again. I I'm hope sure so. we'll have another interview <laughs> because we've got to keep this fight Lots up. Lots of stuff, that's right. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. So this ends the podcast, but I just wanted to reflect on the couple hours I was at Natalie Way's house. Now just talking to her further about the whole thing. What an inspiring, powerful woman. Just knowledgeable, very dedicated to her child, very positive person, trying to make the best of the situation, trying to make it positive for Lola. And just everything about her just emulates a lot of positivity. And her being a pillar of mental health, her standing up for other parents that are silenced or scared to speak up. She told me that she would sit there on a mountaintop and yell, and I firmly believe that she would. Being the voice for other people that can't speak, that's brave in my book, inspiring, and very progressive in our society, that somebody would stand up and say, this is wrong and we need to change it. Just a lot of different things, social development, Shame on you for not being there for Lola and Natalie in the time of need and, and cutting her off services. Shame on you. Your mandate and your whole policies need to be changed. It's just absolutely a shame that you could do that to them. Not knowing the circumstances, there's got to be some kind of help. You never shut off a kid from help. Unbelievable. So knowing that, that social development is more policy for provincial, which needs to be changed in New Brunswick, Canada. Now I'm talking about federally, federally, like she's battling for a tax credit. Why can't people, parents that stay home that cannot work, get tax benefits for taking care of their child because they have a mental disability? Mental disability. Someone in a wheelchair or someone that is uh, that is mentally challenged gets those tax credits. Someone that has a mental illness doesn't, I don't think that's right. They have a disability too. Maybe not as great, but it maybe it is. You can't determine that. There needs to be an adjustment. There needs to be tax credits for parents that have kids that have mental health issues. So provincially and federally, we need to up our game. Furthermore, if we decide to not make it a corporate welfare and start giving all these businesses lots of money, 
to help them build, why not invest in our, fu- our, our kids and our future and invest more services into mental health? Now, when I was sitting there and talking to them about different things, Lola came in the room and Lola and myself and Natalie had a conversation. We started talking about DBT, was dialectal behavioral therapy. Now, it really intrigued me because she's now enrolled in this, which is awesome. And the biggest thing about DBT is there's a greatest, greater focus on emotional and social aspects. And it's DBT was developed to help people cope with extreme or unstable emotions and harmful behaviors, which Lola does possess and have. The biggest thing about uh, dialectal behavioral therapy is is cognitive behavioral therapy and it tries to identify and change negative think patterns and tries to push for more positive behavioral changes. So this is the new thing and apparently it's been helping Lola out a lot. So I'm very happy to say that Lola has inquired during the conversation that she, she would come on and speak as a teenager and break the silence and talk about her mental health issues. And wow, talking to her, she's a very inspiring, powerful young lady, very respectful, very happy, and kind of very shy, but not so much. She spoke very highly of the DBT and talked about different issues. And she was brave about it, unbelievably brave and not scared and not ashamed, which is such a refreshing thing because mental health has always had a stigma. So in society, wow, we have this young person that struggles but is willing to come out of the the norm, which is not saying anything, to coming out and saying, hey, I want to talk about it. Let's talk about this. Now I'm going to have Lola and Natalie talking about DBT and the benefits and the different things. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. And I had a very inspiring, very knowledgeable day. I really enjoyed myself and two powerful women and two knowledgeable women and very brave people to put themselves out there and talk about the issues that a lot of people are scared to talk about or ashamed or so depressed that they just cannot talk about it. Unbelievable. So I just want to leave you with a quote. So I told Lola this one too. The only people that are going to let you feel inferior is the people you let make you feel inferior. So never let people make you feel inferior because you're a person, you're original and you're great and you're put on this, this world to be yourself and own it. And don't be scared to show who you are and what you are. Break the silence. I have Natalie Wayans and Lola Wayans breaking the silence. The only way we're going to change things, people. Now, when I talk about this whole podcast, this one here, we need to get viral. We need to get the word out. We need to, because this may help some parents that are struggling. And this is what the podcast is about. It's not about getting a million listeners. It's about helping individuals, whether it's two, three, four, or five. Don't worry about the numbers. 
So on my upcoming podcast, I have one on Kim Warren. Her son passed away over two years ago. So she's going to give me some insight on her story, how she struggled through grief and how she continues to struggle through grief, but also helping other people and just telling some stories and reflecting on everything. What an inspiring story. Another strong, uh, brave individual that's breaking silence through talking and sharing their experiences in hopes that it helps other people, pretty inspiring people. So I want to thank you very much for listening. This is Al Hilti. This is Chad Hill. Talk to you real soon.